Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to podcast number 92. I'm with Pastor Steve Sager, and we're here together in Henderson, Nevada, where Steve and his wife Kathy make their home. And Steve, it's great to have you on the podcast episode today, and so glad you could join me and us in this. So we met at a men's retreat years ago uh, for Maranatha Chapel in the San Diego Mountains at the Mount Palomar Conference Center, I think is what it was called, right? Correct. Yeah, yep. and, and that was back in 2008, and that's when we met. And I remember after that conference was over with, we were given a ride by you, Lee Shaw and I, down to the airport, and we had a conversation about an opportunity. You'd expressed a desire to, to uh, you know, perhaps take a church, and we'll get into that a little bit. And then uh, the, our relationship began really at that point, and so ever since 2008, you and I have been friends. So uh, this is a great opportunity, I think, for you to just kind of tell some of your story. You've got a long history of ministry within Calvary Chapels as a pastor and as an elder, and you've lived in many places all over the country uh, uh, in in relationship to your career, as well as in relationship to ministry opportunities that sprung out of those career uh, placements. And uh, then you served in St. Helena, California for 10 years. So, so many, so many things. And you, you uh, present a unique perspective on all these things because of your vast experience with all kinds of churches over the years. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And I think maybe the way to title this podcast uh, would be to title it as a uh, uh, observations by a longtime Calvary Chapel pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what it is. So, so maybe we could just dive into telling, telling us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I think that our testimonies are very powerful, obviously. And and uh, we love to hear one another's stories. So tell us a little about yourself, your family, your marriage to Kathy, these kinds of things. Well, I uh, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, both my parents were were believers and uh, grew up in Long Beach, California. Uh, but I never, ever bought into the uh, the religion of it. We... We went to the United Methodist Church, and I just never, I can never remember all the years going there. And I was an acolyte and all kinds of different stuff. I can never remember them preaching the gospel, you know, telling me that I needed to confess my sin and uh, uh, ask forgiveness for my sin and ask uh, that the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ come into my heart as Savior and, and, and Lord, you know, so... I just never bought into it. From the time I was about fourteen, I can remember telling my parents, "I'm I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not not going to church anymore. I'm not doing the MYF and all this stuff, you know." And, and in their wisdom, they uh, they didn't push it. And uh, but from fourteen till twenty five, I 
I got into just about everything you could imagine getting into. I bounced in bars and tended bar for years and all the stuff associated with that kind of lifestyle. I coached high school and college football um, before entering into the equipment business. And I finally got saved in uh, July of 1976, the the 200-year anniversary of the founding of our company, our country. I don't remember exactly the day. It was it was the towards the end of July, but uh, so that was uh, 44 years ago, and uh, my life just been completely changed uh, from then. First got saved and attended a Baptist church for couple of years and then um, my uh, career uh, I spent 42 years well still still working at it now uh, selling caterpillar tractors and and had several different uh, sales management roles and executive management role vice president a couple different dealers and um, so that took us all over the country and um, but the first Calvary Chapel I ever went to was my good friend Joseph Prudhomme, who's pastor of Calvary Chapel uh, Solano. Um, I was best man in his wedding with Sandy, and Sandy introduced Kathy and I, and we got married exactly a month apart. Um, and Joseph invited me to go to Calvary Chapel in Napa, so this would have been nine, 1980. So I'd been saved four years at that point, and I'd never been anywhere where I heard the Bible taught like this. Um, Mike Chaddock was the pastor and just that expository teaching of the word just, just changed my life. Not only sit under, uh, Mike, but then I devoured Chuck Smith's tapes. I went through the 2000 series from Genesis to revelation three times in five years <laughs> and, uh, just couldn't, couldn't get enough of it. I mean, the, the word just came alive, you know, and uh, it had a huge, huge impact on my life. And um, most of the moves we've made have all been kind of related to the career kind of thing. But we've been fortunate to uh, be a part of little tiny Calvary chapels and gigantic Calvary chapels. Uh, I was on the worship team at uh, Raul Reese's church uh, when it was... Calvary Chapel West Covina uh, before he moved to, to Diamond Bar when he was still in the the old Safeway building there on Sunset. And I uh, loved being part of that worship team with uh, Dave Messenger was the the worship leader. And then uh, Job took us to uh, North San Diego County and uh, was uh, sat under Brian Broderson at Calvary Chapel Vista and led worship there every Wednesday night for three and a half years uh, with with Brian. And then um, a job took us to uh, to Colorado with the cat dealer in Colorado and um, got to uh, spend some time serving with Gino Geraci at Calvary Chapel, South Denver. And, and then, I, then I say I got really stupid and Went to the Chicago area. I got the general sales manager's job at the cat dealer in Chicago. and um, That only lasted like two and a half years because we, like I said, I grew up in Long Beach and 
Kathy is uh, from the Seattle area, so we're both West Coast people. And uh, But while we were there, we were able to sit under um, uh, Phil Ballmeyer at Calvary Chapel, uh, Elk Grove Village, who I, I consider to be one of the best teachers I've ever I've ever heard. Uh, another job change took us back to San Diego and uh, with the cat dealer there. And um, for the next 10 years, we I was an elder and led some worship and taught at the uh, Maranatha Bible School, um, you know, affiliated with uh, Maranatha Chapel. So sat under Ray Bentley for 10 years. And, uh, and then I met you. <laughs> and, you, and you told me about uh, this little group of people up in St. Helena, California, up in the Napa Valley who were wanting to start a church. And uh, we prayed about it and uh, uh, went up and spoke a couple of times um, and then was asked to uh, uh, come on board as their pastor. And you had been the uh, interim pastor there for six, eight months. And so our, our relationship d- developed even uh, more strongly as a result of that. And then sent the, spent the last uh, 10 years there, and uh, we've, we kind of felt like we did and accomplished everything we could. And, uh, and so uh, was kind of planning on, on retiring, kind of. <laughs> but when we... So we moved to the Las Vegas area to be closer to our our kids, and when we got down here, I just I just wasn't ready, and so I went actually back to working at the Caterpillar uh, dealership here in uh, the state of Nevada, and as a regional sales manager, and uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it and having a having a good time. But the the whole COVID thing hasn't allowed us to really connect with a with a church locally here yet, and so we're we're looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that too when that happens because you and Kathy are are gems and are going to be a great help to whatever church you end up landing in. And I'm looking forward to to seeing what the Lord will do there. So let's go back to the early days because you know when you were in St. Helena, now you're in the Up Valley, right? And uh, you had previously been in Napa, which is uh, southern Napa County. And with Calvary Chapel in Napa, but I know that was a very unusual church. It was, uh, it grew quickly. I think they ended up being around twelve, thirteen hundred people in their peak, right? Something like that. Yeah, it was actually closer to fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. So it was a good yeah. sized church, and and and, but a lot of guys came out of there that are now senior pastors today. Oh, phenomenal! I never, uh, what the Lord did there was just unbelievable. Uh, of course, they. You know him very well because he was part of the Poyman team till he the Lord took him home. Larry Anderson was uh, Mike Chaddock's uh, number one assistant, so he was there. And uh, the group that I was deacons and elders with was uh, Damian Kyle, uh, Joseph, Joseph Prudhomme, Lee Shaw. This this group of guys that the Lord assembled there was. Like nothing I've ever seen, and then eventually, um, Mike Chaddock brought Jay McCarl on board, and he was there for a year or two. I'd never seen uh, a group of of guys that were so committed to to serving the Lord, and then had gone on to to serve, you know, as uh, senior pastors and plant churches and 
be be deeply involved with the the Calvary Chapel movement for years and years and years, and and all those guys are still committed. And Damien and I always kind of have a joke, and uh, uh, you know when we when we greet each other, you know, he always asks me, "Are you still saved?" You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, still saved. How about you? You know, so so it's uh, it, that was what a tremendous tremendous foundation and and the thing about that church wasn't just the teaching of the word but emphasis on the the power and the gifts of the holy spirit um we received instruction on on uh, and in the the ministry of the holy spirit and i'm so thankful uh for that because there's a there's a lot of Calvary chapels you can go to today that you would never know that that we believe in the the gifts of the Spirit being uh, alive and active for today. So just a tremendous legacy to receive uh, in the teaching of the Word, the personal study of the Word, always being exhorted to study, study, study. And then the reliance upon the Holy Spirit and exercising the gifts. It, it was, I couldn't have had a better foundation going forward. Yeah, and that's the testimony of all these men, uh, all, of the, all of whom I know, too, and have somewhat, uh, somewhat of a relationship with them, and they all say the same thing. And I've heard Damien at conferences go into great detail at some of the senior pastor conferences about that foundation that you all had, which is so helpful, really, for us to retain that understanding and be hungry for it, all that God wants to do in life and in ministry. So before we go any further, Steve, a little shout out to someone I know that's super important in your life and has been over the years. And I know I can do the same kind of shout up in my life with my wife, Sherry, but Kathy has been your partner in crime and yeah. <laughs> following you uh, and and serving faithfully with you in all of these different fellowships that you've served in. So yeah. Yeah, I uh I met Kathy in uh, 1981 and we got married uh met her at the end of the July and we were married the end of October so we only dated for like 90 days and uh she was in Eugene, Oregon and I was in Napa. So I think I drove like 10 out of 12 weekends to from Napa to Eugene and back, you know. And uh, we've been married 39 years. Got uh, three wonderful daughters and uh um, she's a real student of the Bible. She, she probably knows the Bible better than I do. Hmm. Um, she taught, uh, K. Arthur's inductive Bible study for 25 years. And, uh, she loves to study the word. She still gets up at two and three in the morning and studies the word for hours, you know? And, uh, she was, a and is a, a complete blessing and, uh, I never, uh, you know, she she's the one that really made it possible to move around. She, you know, she she always understood. Um, uh, she understood the time that was involved to to serve the Lord. You know, I never, she never gave me any kind of chin music about, you know, being away serving the Lord and neglecting the family. And but I really focused on not doing that too. And uh, so when it came time to. Uh, to move to Las Vegas because that was her heart. She wanted to be closer to our, our kids and our middle daughter and her husband are here and the other girls are only a few hours away. 
it was like, okay, well, you've, you've followed me all over the country, you know, to Colorado and Chicago and all over California, you know, so then uh, let's, let's do this thing. But since we've been here in Henderson, which is a suburb of uh, Nevada or Las Vegas, we think we're really going to really like it here. Like I said, the only downside is because of the COVID, we just haven't been able to connect with a local church yet. Well, that's going to change. I know things are closing down a little bit now in Nevada, but they'll open back up eventually. Yeah, That'll be yeah. great. Well, wonderful. And, you know, so I echo your comments. You know, my wife, Sherry, has been that for me. I mean, we've moved around a lot of different places and our 13 and a half years of marriage. We're living in our 15th place now in East <laughs> Texas. So, uh, yeah, but it, the ministry can't happen without the support and and confidence that our wives have in us and love of the ministry themselves. So that's, that's great. Shout out to Kathy, shout out to Sherry, you know, well done, you good and faithful servants. So (laughs) you served in uh, St. Helena for 10 years. And, um, I know that St. Helena, it's a small community. I was there for a while, maybe six, 7,000 people at the most in the city limits. And then the outward areas expands that a little bit. But it's a it's a challenging area because it's of course the epicenter of the wine industry of 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 Napa Valley in many ways, and there's a lot of wealth there. And then there are the the farm workers, and there's a big Italian heritage and a Hispanic heritage there as well, uh, and a, a strong community vibe that's there. So I know that there were a lot of successes and, you know, having tracked your ministry there, I, I'm aware of a lot of the things that you did in ministering to the fellowship and ministering in the community. But what were some of the successes for you as you look back on your 10 years? What, what were some of the things that you just feel like, yeah, that's, that had the fingerprints of the Lord all over it. And he did that. And it's awesome to leave that behind. One of the, the things that I was just blessed to see happen. We hosted uh, Harvest America in uh, in St. Helena, and we went to the Cameo Theater downtown, which which you know is a small little theater. It's one of the the last privately owned uh, theaters in in the state of California, and uh, it only seats about two hundred people, but it's kind of art deco style and and all of that well we uh we did the greg Laurie harvest america there and uh, right in the and that's right in downtown saint helena and to my knowledge there had never been an outreach in saint helena uh, like that and so that was that was kind of a significant milestone to bring the gospel to saint helena in that in that fashion um, through the ten years that we were there, we saw we saw a lot, several conversions and um, and uh, and people give their lives to the Lord. It was interesting because uh, many of those homes in Saint Helena are second or third homes; they're vacation homes, and we would get a lot of visitors from around the country uh, that that would come and spend uh, Sunday morning with us, and and lots of them through the years they would. You know, when they would come to town, they'd come back and a lot of repeat, repeat visits and, and all. Um, and so that was, that was a blessing. The St. Helena area is interesting, not only for all the reasons that you mentioned, but it's also like the, the headquarters of the Seventh day Adventist, uh, church. 
And the other part is that a lot of people don't realize it, but there's a lot of occult activity in the in the Napa Valley. Um, and unfortunately, some of that has spread into some of the more liberal uh, churches in in St. Helena and, and Up Valley there. Very few. I, I think our biggest accomplishment was that um, we just taught the word for 10 years, you know. Uh, the marching orders that the Lord gave us were, there was three that the Lord gave us when um, before we came to St. Helena, and they were, number one, teach the word, teach the word, teach the word. That was the, the number one marching order because uh, <laughs> there was no, most of the people up here, didn't even know the definition of a systematic theology, let alone let alone possess one. And you know they're itching ears, and you know listen to every wind of doctrine that had come down the pike, and pick and choose what sounded good to them. And and so teach the word, teach the word, teach the word, and and we we did that to the to the best of our ability. Um, Kathy taught. Uh, precepts, you know, inductive Bible study, and uh, not only the regular services that we had, but we always had that we we had like a Tuesday night uh, Bible school where we we it was more of a classroom setting and stuff that we we taught a lot of different different series and courses and um, so uh, teach the word was the number one thing, and then the the second one was to be an example, be a witness. Because as you stated, there's this strange community spirit there. And really what it is is a spirit of compromise. And you would you would see folks that were more concerned about making sure the community was like them rather than being concerned about what the Lord thought. And um, as you said that, you know, right in the middle of the, the wine industry, well, wine is the god of... Napa County. And um, so it, you know, you had that whole element to, to deal with. And then the last thing was, so teach the word, be an example. And third was don't play Holy Spirit in people's lives. That's his job. And um, we, we never wanted to be in the position because the Seventh-day Adventist is kind of full of this kind of uh, direction where the elders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church kind of make the decisions for everybody. Everybody goes to seek their elder, and it's it's smacks of the shepherding movement and, and all of that. And the emphasis for what, us was, well, what do you think the Holy Spirit wants you to do? What do you think, uh, how, how, do you, how do you interpret what the Word of God has to say about this? And so that, we didn't, we didn't ever want to, put ourselves in the position of the place of the Holy Spirit, you know. Oh, I love that. Not that we would ever disregard the clear teaching of the word of God, but I wanted the I wanted them to seek the Holy Spirit about what they were supposed to do and confirm it and confirm it through the word, you know, find find the scriptures that confirm what they feel like the Holy Spirit is 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 teaching them. So those three things, teach the word, be an example, don't play Holy Spirit, let him do it. That's what we did for 10 years and confirm it through the word, you know, find find the scriptures that confirm what they feel like the Holy Spirit is is teaching them. So 
Those three things, teach the word, be an example, don't play Holy Spirit, let him do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we did for 10 years. You did. And you led them in worship and taught them the example of prayer and yeah. those kinds of things. So it was a full church experience for the people that were involved and wanted to take advantage of those opportunities. So you also had a unique opportunity. The Napa Valley Register reached out to you to invite you to participate in writing a column. Yeah. It was a, it was a monthly or a bi-monthly column that you did for uh, them? It was, uh, I, I wrote... Now, the way the schedule played out, I, I wrote three or four times a year. Okay. And in those columns, I mean, you sent me every one of those columns before they were actually published, and I read them and loved all of them. But you were you were very straightforward, a loving, but very direct and fully truthful presentation of whatever uh, point of the gospel you were wanting to comment on. And and what what was the feedback you got from that? I thought it was excellent, and in a very different kind of a breath of of yeah. air that was being breathed by your articles than was typical. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, the thing that amazed me the most. So you're correct that the Napa Valley Register owns the paper in St. Helena and the and the paper in Calistoga, and the paper in St. Helena was called the St. Helena Star, and the uh, the opinion pieces were. Um, called the Thursday Pulpit because it it was just a weekly paper came out every Thursday, so it was the Thursday Pulpit. So I got to write over ten years. I wrote almost forty uh, messages, you know, um, forty articles, and I didn't pull any punches. Uh, I mean, on topics, uh, I remember I I was able to write. Right after the Supreme Court changed the definition of marriage, I was it was I was the next guy up, so I was able to really, you know, give my thoughts on on that whole issue and didn't pull any punches. I mean, I was shocked that they I never had I never had anything edited um, in the ten years I did it. One one time they changed the I wrote a an article uh, and I called it. Who then can be saved? And they changed the title of that. But other than that, they didn't change any of the content. So I never had them turn down a message or want to edit a message or anything. And the Lord just allowed me to be as bold as I ever wanted to be. And, uh, you know, you would receive, because you're talking a town of five, 6,000 people, you know you would walk around and see somebody at the grocery store or whatever. And it was like, Hey, I really liked your article or whatever, you know, and, uh, uh never heard uh, anything, but you know, the, the people in, enjoyed the articles and stuff, but I was always shocked that the Lord just allowed me to be as bold as I wanted to be about any topic I was teaching on and, or writing on. And, um, that, that was, that still amazes me that 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 happened, you know, because we look at the liberal media today. I wasn't censured in any way at all, you know, and and my articles were polar opposite of most all the others in town, you know. So, well, in 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 the way you wrote them, Steve, you you didn't 
resort to your opinion. You you gave them the word of God. You yeah. You taught them the Bible through the themes and the and the subjects that you were addressing, and that's what made it so. How could you argue with it? Really, I mean, yeah. they would have to actually look up the scriptures themselves if they wanted to try to even refute what you had to say and see if you were taking these things out of context and see if it made sense. They couldn't argue with the biblical nature of what you were saying. And that's why I thought it was excellent. Well, it's time for us to take a, a brief break. I'm having a conversation with Pastor Steve Sager, and we're calling this Observations by a Longtime Calvary Chapel Pastor. But we're going to be right back, so hang in there. You've been listening to Strength for Today's Pastor. Poyman Ministries appreciates your participation and prayers. If you'd like to help financially support this podcast, you can go to our website at poymanministries.com forward slash donate. Thank you. Okay, so we're back with Pastor Steve Sager, and we've been talking about his 10 years in St. Helena pastoring the church there. And we talked about some of the successes and some of the things he looks back on in hindsight that the Lord did. But just one question about the challenges, Steve. What, what was the most significant challenge that you faced as a pastor uh, in in St. Helena, pastoring there in that unique community? Um, <laughs> I'm only laughing because it happened right, I mean, it was probably within the first year that we were there. So we were there uh, 10 years. The first five years I was, uh, had, I was bivocational. So I was still working for the Caterpillar dealership uh, in the Bay Area and Northern California, Oregon. And uh, so I was commuting from St. Helena to San Leandro, California, and back every day for for ten or five years. And within that first year, one of the one of the members of the church challenged me and came to me and said, uh, "We don't we don't think you should be teaching prophecy." And that led to a whole discussion about how I am not going to not teach twenty five to thirty percent of the Bible uh, when it's when it's of such importance, especially in the days that that we're living in. Whether it's important to the days we're living or not, I'm not going to, you know, limit the word of God just because uh, it's your preference that not to hear about it. So um, early on, within that first year, or shortly after the the first year anniversary, uh, we had several people leave because of that that issue. I just would not. Uh, I encouraged them to leave because I told them I'm not. Uh, I'm going to teach the full word of God, the full counsel of God. I'm not going to limit the Holy Spirit in any any way. And if if that uh, if that bothers you, you know, uh, make yourself available to the to the community. You know, so um, so that that happened early on. But the the over the pervasive community spirit was the spirit of compromise was was something that was. Uh, ever present, and so you were dealing with that all the time. And and I think more than anything else, the second marching order that we got, be an example, was um, maybe the the most important at that time out of those three marching orders that we got. Because it goes without saying, we were going to teach the word, but being an example in the community there of you know being being committed and not compromising and standing up for what you believe in. Uh, that was uh, 
it was like being a stranger in a strange land, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that was, it was the role of the prophet. I mean, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of these men of God, all of the Old Testament prophets had to do similarly to what you did in St. Helena. They had to speak up and be faithful to the Word of God in, in the face of a lot of opposition. And Isaiah in particular when the Lord told him to go and tell the people, seeing you'll see and not perceive, and hearing you'll hear and not understand, because the heart of this people has become dull. And Isaiah said, okay, well, that's my ministry, then I'm going to speak to people that can't see, and I'm going to teach people that can't hear and don't want to hear. And so Isaiah said, how long? (laughs) And the Lord said, until everything's destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> until everything is destroyed and Jerusalem yeah. is judged and everything. So, boy, what a great thing to look forward to. My whole ministry is going to be wrapped up by telling people that don't want to hear what God has to say to them. And then at the end of it, it's all going to be wrapped up in the judgment of God and Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. But, you know, Isaiah's legacy is that he was faithful. He did what the Lord called him to do. And so you had your your three marching orders, and you and Kathy did those. And many have re- have been affected positively from it. And there are some people that you still have connections with, and you still are ministering to them even from a distance. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, though, one of the things, and we were talking with you and uh, Sherry, uh, you know, as we did several times and and she really said something that helped Kathy and I tremendously and so we were describing the culture and and kind of how we were approaching the ministry there and she's and her background because she'd been a missionary so much and she said well you you guys are more like missionaries than than you than you are pastors and you know what? Just that perspective allowed us to really uh, reevaluate our way of thinking about how difficult it had become there. Because then we started looking at it more as a mission field than as trying to feed a flock of, of wayward sheep, you know? Mm, uh, that, that really freed us up. Because mm-hmm. as you know, we were... About five years into it, we were ready to, we were ready to leave, and and that conversation strengthened us for another five years. You know, mm, that's uh, great. so, um, so we're forever thankful for her observation. It just ministered to us so much. You know, that's awesome. Next time I do a church assessment, I'm just going to have her do it. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Now changing gears a little bit, Steve. So you've been, like you said, in Colorado and Chicago and South uh, and San Diego County and Napa, Up Valley, uh, all over the place. And uh, so you've seen a lot. You've served under different pastors and ministries, as you mentioned earlier. What have you observed in general, concerning the Calvary Chapel movement and the involvement that you've had, strengths, weaknesses, anything that you'd like to just say from a, you know, uh, from the corner of the room looking out into the rest of the room, what have you seen? I think, uh, I think the single largest source of disappointment for me in, in, uh, the history of Calvary Chapel was when um, the vineyard split off. Um, 
and formed their own uh, churches and, and organization. And because there had been um, subsequently so much misuse and abuse regarding the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, that kind of thing, with with uh, the Vineyard Movement, Calvary Chapel just walked away from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, in my estimation. And um, as I said you know, earlier on, uh, you know, we visit a lot of different Calvary chapels, large ones, small ones, everything in between, home fellowships all over the country and whatnot. In most of them, you would never know that that we believe in the active ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that, that really, that grieves me. Um, grieves me greatly and um, I I think if we don't get back to that if we don't get back to including that back in the mix um, with with teaching the word and emphasizing the the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the reliance on the gifts of the Spirit and uh, and the teaching about those kind of things I I I don't know where the where the movement will go. You know that uh, it's starting to come back a little bit in some churches, but that to me was uh, I I don't know that it was a conscious choice that was made. I I I, I doubt that it was not a conscious choice to do it, but nevertheless, the result of it was that's what happened, uh, and. Um, that that needs to be that totally needs to be cor- corrected because we've got um, as you and I were talking about uh, millennials and you know young people today um, reaching them is completely different than when when you and I were pups you know and and coming up uh, in the church. Um, also, you know, we had a calling on our lives to that that allowed us to uh, really dive in. You know, a hundred percent. You and I were talking um, yesterday or the day before, and um, I made the comment: if I had to do it all over again, um, I'd I really see the need that. I want to be a better communicator. Teaching the word goes without saying, but really communicating it. I, you know, it just drives me nuts when I see a church advertise, you know, we, we are relevant for today. We teach the word and it's, you know, we teach the Bible and in a relevant way. And it's like, to me, when has the Bible not ever been relevant? You know, amen. I mean, amen. It's just, are you kidding me? Relevant. There couldn't be anything more relevant than the, than the Word of God. But it's all how we do it. It's all how do we communicate it. And to me, it's it, that that's the challenge today is is the communication of the gospel, the communication of God's word. 
we can't we can't sit up front and just lecture anymore. You know, with certain groups in the you know your deacons, your elders, and you know uh, yeah, the, those Bible students that that are engaged in learning the word. Um, that, you know that's that's acceptable, but for the for the the unbeliever, for the 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 young believers, you, there's there's got to be the ability there to communicate your heart and uh, to the to the to the people. And the biggest thing is to me is man, you got to be authentic. You got to be authentic because if you're phony in any way or you're doing it out of personal pride or arrogance or whatever and we've seen that in calvary chapels unfortunately um you you you're not going to be received well said well said yeah i appreciate those comments so much the authentic conscious delivery of the word of god in a clear communicative style is very important today well steve we're gonna we're gonna move into the the two minute segment that I give pastors on these podcasts uh, time for you to give a word of encouragement and I think what you've just said is possibly a good segue into what you want to say but say anything you want to for the next couple of minutes anything that will strengthen and encourage the senior pastors and leaders that are going to be listening to this podcast perhaps uh, 30 years ago 35 years ago now, probably, I was asked to speak at the Redwood Alliance Gospel Mission in uh, downtown Santa Rosa, California. And uh, I was excited uh, to go and and preach there. I I always enjoyed going there because uh, the the Word of God was the emphasis. Uh, The people wouldn't be fed until they sat uh, sat through a message. And on this particular night, I was asked to speak and what's interesting about this chapel is that um it actually seats about 150 200 people and uh, there's a really ornate pulpit up front that would you know fit in a liturgical church of some kind uh the rest of the chapel's kind of spartan but there's this big pulpit up front so i walked up uh, to the pulpit put my Bible down, opened it up, and in a place on the pulpit where only the person standing directly at the pulpit could see was a brass plaque that was kind of up underneath the front edge of the pulpit. And on this brass plaque, it it just gave me the most vivid reminder of what uh, our entire focus needs to be with regard to bringing the word to people or preaching the gospel message. And this plaque said, Sir, give them Jesus. That, uh, that just rocked me. Uh, and um, for the next 35 years, it became the focus of what the Lord was calling me to do. I mean, in today's parlance, I, it'd be hashtag give them Jesus. But it just changed everything about the way I thought about the ministry, the way I tried to teach the word, the way I tried to present the gospel. Was, it's got to be all about Jesus. Can't be any little bit of it be about us as individuals. So 
that's what uh that's what I would leave uh, the listeners with is uh, is the challenge to uh, whatever we do in word or deed, give them Jesus. Mm, well said. Give them Jesus. And that is, a, of course, a major earmark of someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit is that they want to talk about Jesus because that's the Holy Spirit's favorite subject. <laughs> he will testify of me, Jesus said. He will take that which is mine and disclose it to you. So that's good. Well, that's a great word, Steve. And I, I just want to thank you again for tuning in. We didn't get a chance to talk about your ministry as a chaplain in Napa County, which was uh, a, a long-time ministry, but that was a wonderful thing. And a shout-out to Lee Shaw, who is the head of the Napa Chaplaincy uh, organization there in Napa County. And and so you came into his under that ministry and served in the various places. But uh, anyway, just a great job in St. Helena and in Napa County, and great to have you on this podcast today. Thanks again for joining us. Well, Bill, it was a real privilege to uh, to spend some time with you and speak with you, and uh, just uh, want to say thanks for having me. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Strength for Today's Pastor, and if you have questions or comments or even suggestions about future programming, please shout out to us through strongerpastors at gmail.com. So from the Board of Directors of Poiman Ministries and all of our pastoral team, God bless you and may he strengthen you in your service to Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. Amen. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Poiman Ministries. You can find us at poinmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him, His pastors, and His church.